Let's take our Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 4 this morning, Acts chapter 4, and we are towards the end of the chapter, Acts 4. Acts 4 and verse 23, we'll read there in just a minute. I sure am thankful for second chances. You know, we serve a God of the second chance. The Bible's really clear. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you're a Christian this morning, if you've been saved, it's because God gave you a second chance. For the wages of sin is death. Some of you are like, well, I don't need any second chances. If you're a believer, you needed a second chance. And in fact, God gave you one. And probably a third, and a fourth, and a fifth, and a sixth, and a... doesn't have to but his mercy is everlasting I'm thankful for that we're going to be thinking a little more this morning about the Apostle Peter he was a man who understood second chance now you don't have to go too far back in your Bible from where we're at here in Acts 4 who on the night when his Savior was about to be crucified, as they were sitting around this table eating that last supper together, he looked at Jesus and said, Lord, I'll follow you even to the death. And Jesus looked right back at him and said, Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me not once, not twice, but three times. Can you imagine the shame that Peter felt as Jesus was later taken to the trial and Peter denied him each one of those times. And then, of course, you know the wonderful story at the end of the book of John as Jesus comes to Peter after he's... And how many times did Jesus ask Peter if he loved him? Three times. Simon Peter, lovest thou me more than these? You know, God wasn't done with Peter. God still had a purpose for Peter's life. God's not done with you this morning. You know how I know that? It's because you're here this morning. If God was done with you, he'd have already taken you out of here. God still has a purpose for your life. God wasn't done with Peter. Not long after his denial and then Christ comes to him in love, Peter watched as Jesus ascended up into heaven. He heard those final words of Jesus and giving of the Great Commission and then of telling Peter that he would receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost had come upon him and he would be a witness. And in Acts chapter 2, that's exactly what happened. Peter received the Holy Ghost along with those other disciples and he stood up and proclaimed Jesus that day of Pentecost. And 3,000 people trusted Christ that day. What a day that was. And then we read in Acts chapter 3 how Peter and John went to the temple and they found this lame man, this man who had been lame for 40 years. His whole entire life he was born that way. 
Peter and John said those words, silver and gold have I none. But that which I have give I thee in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Now that was an exciting time. And the man jumped up, leaping and praising God. And, and Peter and John went with him and they stepped outside the temple and they began to preach Jesus. But as that happened and the crowd gathered to see this man who'd been healed and to hear the preaching of Jesus, the religious leaders did not like that at all. And so they came and they took Peter and John and they brought them before the Sanhedrin and they threatened them and said, don't talk about Jesus anymore. Peter was a man who understood second chances. So what happened in Peter's life to transform him from a denier of Christ. I mean, in Christ's greatest hour of need, first Peter's sleeping with the other disciples, and then later he's denying Christ. What changed in Peter to make him into the witness that he became? And I want you to notice in Acts chapter 4, as we look through this passage, this transformation didn't just take place in Peter's life. This transformation is possible in your life as well to take you from wherever you're at today and to turn you, to transform you into a bold witness for Jesus Christ. This word boldness is used a bunch of times in Acts chapter 4. And that's our theme I want us to look at this morning. How can you become a bold witness for Christ to become one who boldly proclaims Jesus? We're going to see the example here of Peter and John and then the rest of these followers as they began to boldly share the good news of Jesus and to proclaim the Word of God. So follow along with me, Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 23. It says, And being let go, they went to their own company. This is Peter and John. They were let go from the religious leaders and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. When they'd heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, Thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of Thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast appointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. Notice what they were gathered together to do. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled. They were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And there it is, and they spake the word of God with boldness. So what happened to change a denying fisherman into a bold witness for Christ? 
What happened to take a group of believers who were relatively small in number and give them great boldness to proclaim Jesus? I hope you came ready this morning. I've got seven points for you. Seven big points. But we'll move through them because there are, there's a wonderful example for us here in this passage of Scripture that I think if you'll listen and consider, it'll really Notice, first of all, here in verse 23, they reported to the other believers about the threats that they had received from the religious leaders. They reported to the other believers about these threats. It says, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. So what had the chief priests and elders said to them? Peter and John had performed a miracle by healing this lame man, and then they preached Jesus as the one who had given them the power to perform this miracle. The religious leaders did not like that. And so they said to them, look back at verse 16 of Acts chapter 4, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. We've all seen the miracle. Everybody's seen it. We can't deny it. They probably would have if they could have, but they couldn't because everybody would seen it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. They called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. That's a threat. And for some of us, that's all it takes for us to stop sharing Jesus. Don't do it. Okay. It carries on in verse 21. It says, and when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. I would tell you this. When you're facing difficulties in your Christian life, you will find great help and encouragement in the body of Christ. When Peter and John were faced with these threats, what did they do? They went back to their company, back to the group of believers, and they shared with them what had taken place. When you share your burdens with others, you have an opportunity to be encouraged, but I would say this, you also have an opportunity to encourage. You say, why is it encouraging to hear about somebody else's burdens? Well, you realize, oh, they have problems too. That person you thought was perfect at church, not perfect. Not perfect. The Christian life can feel very lonely at times. Trying to do right can make you feel very alone. Elijah felt that way in the Old Testament. I think that's part of the reason that Jesus Christ himself, when he sent his apostles out, the Bible tells us he sent them out two by two. They were there to encourage one another, to lift up one another, to help one another. Peter and John came back and they reported to them of what was going on. 
Now, they didn't stop with the report. Sometimes we love to just sit around and commiserate about our problems. I don't want church to ever become that that's all it is, right? Oh, I have so many problems. I've heard about many problems at church. That's one of the blessings of being a pastor, I guess. I've heard about bunions and blisters, cold sores and back pain. Heard about financial problems and family problems. And it's good to have a place where we can share our problems. And especially when it comes in the form of persecution. It's wonderful to have a place where you can come and share those things. And I think a church ought to be a place where you can share those things. Because it's a way that you can get the encouragement that you need. And it's a way that you can encourage others. Second Corinthians talks about that, being able to encourage others with what we've been encouraged by. Perhaps God has let you go through something, teenager, young adult, senior saint, that you can encourage somebody else with. Maybe you're going through something that someone else has already been through and they can encourage you. And even if they haven't, just being able to share it with somebody else that you can know that they know is encouraging. But it didn't stop there for these believers. They didn't just share the problems. They then prayed about it. They prayed. See, they reported to the other believers about the threats, but then notice in verse 24, they remembered the power of God in creation. They remembered the power of God in creation. Look at verse number 24. It says, And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. You see what happened here? As they shared their burdens, as they shared the struggles with the other believers, all the believers came together in one accord, in unity together, to cry out to God. It is a blessing to be able to gather with other believers and to pray. This morning I had the privilege of gathering with some of you before this service and some others before the first service to be able to pray and to ask God for His help. We need Him. But they prayed something very specific here. They said, Lord, Thou art God. You say, okay, well, what does that mean? Notice, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. These people prayed together and they remembered God's power and His creativity in creation. One of my favorite songs that speaks to this is the song, How Great Thou Art. It says, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. And what's the response? Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. But how about that verse that says, and when I think 
that God his son not sparing sent him to die I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art you know when we stop and consider how great our God is. When we remember His power in creation, it gives us great confidence and boldness to proclaim Jesus Christ. When you remember who God is and what God has done, it gives you such encouragement. Now be honest with me, you're like me. You don't always feel that encouraged as you do right in this second as we just read those verses and sang that song. Because what happened? Monday happened. <laughs> the phone call happens. The email pops up. I have been sitting in a service, being encouraged by the Word of God, and all of a sudden got a text, and my whole mind just is, is gone. It's on something else. Because the reality is none of us lives here all the time. So how do, we, how do we continually be transformed and get back to this? It's not about living a fake Christian life where we pretend that we're just happy, happy all the time, because we're not. Rather, it's going back and being reminded of who God is and what God has done. If you're discouraged, go back and consider who the God is that you're serving. Their prayer to God, Lord, Thou art God. You've made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. When you remember the power of God in creation, it will encourage you to be a bold witness for Him. Wherever you go, wherever you look, you can see the hand of God in creation. When you're discouraged by what's around you, look up. When you're frustrated, by what your sin is on your, in your heart, look up. Remember who He is. Remember what He has done for you. Fill your heart and mind on the truth of God's Word. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy hands, the worlds which thou hast made, what is man that thou art mindful of him? God, why do you even take time to look on me? Why do you think about me? When I look at everything around me, it's so great. It's so amazing what you've done. But when I look at this world, when I look at what's going on in my own life, why do you even take time to care? Because God loves us. He loves you. And he loves me. Sometimes you don't even feel that, do you? That's why the kids' song says it over and over. Jesus loves me. This I know. Why? For the Bible tells me so. 
God repeats his love to us over and over in his word. We see his work in the heavens, in all of his creation. These people reminded themselves of the work of God. And when you're encouraged by who God is and what God has done, it will help you to boldly proclaim him wherever you go. A few years ago, the Astros won the World Series. And we were all excited about it, at least in my house. I know some of your houses were pretty excited too. It was on a Wednesday night, do you remember? And we finished the service. People were like, Pastor, please be short tonight. There's some important things. So we had our prayer service. Some of you probably didn't pray as long as you should have. Or maybe you prayed longer, praying for the I don't know what you prayed for. Some people went over to my house, and some of you had people gather at your house, and we watched the Astros. And they won, and everybody was so excited. And uh, we just cheered and went crazy and stayed up super late. Billy and I had a 5.30 flight the next morning. We were flying out to visit with some potential interns for our church. And we just said, you know what? It doesn't matter. We're going to stay up and watch the end of the game because it went really late because it was in L.A. And we were up super late, and then we had to get up. I think I slept like an hour and a half, if that. Got up, got on the plane. Guess where we were flying to? Los Angeles. You know what everybody on that plane was wearing? Astros gear. Everybody had their hats on, their shirts on. And even though we were all way sleep deprived, right, that was the most excited flight at 5.30 a.m. that I've ever been on. If you've been on some of those flights, you know how dead it is. People just, you know, you could almost sit on their lap and they wouldn't even notice it. But that morning, people were excited. And we were cheering and clapping and, you know, everybody was talking about the Astros. And we landed in L.A. And the best moment of the whole flight is when all of us marched off that plane together <laughs> in our Astros gear. And we looked out and all around the terminal there were all these frustrated, depressed, hungover Dodgers fans laying everywhere around the terminal. And most of them still had their Dodgers clothes on because they probably hadn't slept or showered or anything else from the night before and they just barely drugged themselves to the airport to fly back to wherever they lived around the country. And we marched out. You know, we were proud and bold in our proclamation of as Astros fans that day. Why? Because we were confident in what they had done and who they were and who that made us because we were loyal fans. Some of you, like me, grew up here in Houston, and it was a long road, right? Waited a long time. I think we need to go back and remember what God has done. Might give us some confidence and boldness to proclaim Jesus Christ. We were in enemy territory. Couldn't care less. We were on the winning side. Christian, you're on the winning side. Don't forget it. And when you do, because we all do sometimes, get back into the Word of God and remind yourself who God is and what He has done for you. They remembered the power of God in creation. 
Verse 25 through 27, they recognize the reality of persecution. It says in verse 25, Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? Stick your finger here and turn over to Psalm 2. Because that's where he's quoting from. Let's just read a few verses of the psalm. Psalm 2, beginning in verse 1. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Go back to Acts chapter 4. This is what he's saying here. Why did the heathen rage? The people imagine vain things. The king of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast appointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. We live in a world that may seem to be in chaos, in disarray and disunity. But one thing the world is united about, this world is united against Jesus. Look at the group of people that are mentioned here. Herod, Pontius Pilate, these are Roman authorities. With the Gentiles and the people of Israel. If you know your history here, the Gentiles, people of Israel, they didn't get along. The Gentiles, people of Israel with the Romans who were, who were running everything at that time, they didn't get along, but they came together about this. David prophesied it in Psalm 2. Peter's making the New Testament application here. Take a moment in your own mind, look around in the world. Does it sometimes feel like this world is against the things of God? You say, it doesn't even seem to make sense. They allow this to go on, but, this is, but, but the things of Jesus are not okay. Why, why is it seem like some religions have very little pushback to anything they want to do, but those who follow Christ seem to meet with roadblocks along the way? Why is that happening? Understand the reality of persecution. Peter talked about this again over in 1 Peter chapter 4. We looked at this last week in my morning devotionals that we're doing on Facebook Live, he said it this way in verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you're partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with Him. If you boldly proclaim Jesus, you will suffer persecution. Philippians promises it, in fact. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So what changed for Peter? What changed for these believers? Well, they remembered the plan of God in creation. They recognized the reality 
of persecution. But notice in verse 28, they rested in the plan, sovereign plan and power of God. I love this because he talks about the persecution that's coming, you know, the, all these people gathered together, but what were they gathered together to do? It's not to do whatever they wanted. In fact, the Bible tells us here in verse 28 that they were gathered together to do what God had already planned and knew that they were going to do. Look at verse 28. For to do whatsoever thy hand, that's not their hand, what God's hand, and thy counsel determined before to be done. Think about that. When you face persecution, when you face trouble in your life, did you know that was part of God's plan for your life? God works through all kinds of situations. We heard a great story this week from a friend, Pastor Ron Perry. He was telling us about this. He pastors there in California. And a few months ago, they were meeting for a church service, and they were following the, the protocols that the government had told them they had to follow. And, but somebody, they don't know who, but somebody was bothered by the fact that this church was meeting and called the health department on them. And so they had the health department come twice. They threatened them. They said, if we come back, we're going to charge you a $10,000 fine. This is a lot of money, by the way. And they looked at things. They said, well, we're doing everything according to what you're saying. Why aren't you visiting anybody else? Why are you just picking on us? You know, that's kind of the feeling sometimes. Why me, Lord? And the next week, they're having service. And in the back door comes a police officer, and he makes it all the way up about halfway and all of a sudden realizes they're having church right now. I just walked right in in the middle of their service. And he looked around, and, and from what Ron said, he'd never been to church before, any church. But God's been using Ron for a long time in that city. He's the chaplain for the police department. And when the police officer walked in, he looked up, and he saw Ron, and he knew who he was. And Ron knew his name, and he said, well, come on up here invited him right up to the platform not the reception that the police officer probably expected to get it so he walked up and he kind of looked around and he just gave pastor Ron a big bear hug and he whispered in his ear you've been educated See, he was sent by his commanding officer to go and to educate the people on how they weren't doing the things that they were supposed to be doing even though they were trying to in every sense of the word and then he walked out and left. Afterwards, Ron texted him. And he said, hey, I want to buy you coffee. Can, can we get together for lunch? And so they met for lunch that day. And Ron said, the Lord gave me an opportunity for over two hours to be able to talk about the things of God with this man who had never before been interested at all in hearing about the things of God. Do you think it was part of God's plan for that lady, that disgruntled neighbor, to call on the church? I think it was. It's not a surprise to God. It shouldn't be a surprise to us. It's part of God's plan. Sometimes we spend so much time trying to figure out how to avoid or get out of persecution when God's plan is for you to live through it 
and get to know His grace better and experience His strength that is able to carry you through. So perhaps instead of praying, God, get me out of this, we ought to be praying, God, just help me through it. Help me to be faithful. God, what are you trying to teach me? People say, well, I feel like I've already learned it. Stop teaching. No, you need to keep learning it. I remember feeling that way too in sixth grade. Why are we still doing addition? You've got to keep learning. Repetition. The Bible even says it this way, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. That's how we learn the Word of God, but you know, that's how we learn to trust God too. Day by day and with each passing moment. Right? Think, well, surely I have enough strength now to carry me all the way to the end. No, you have enough strength for the day, for the moment. His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. We think, well, God's, God's faithful, so that should just carry me on through everything, right? Well, that's as we walk in that truth every single day. Otherwise, you're going to walk for a while, and then all of a sudden you realize you're just out walking by yourself, and you, you quit walking with God a long time ago and fall flat on your face and be frustrated. And you look back and say, why did God do this to me? God, God did that to you to bring you back to himself. Say, stop, out, stop being out there by yourself. Come and walk with me. Be with me. Trust in me. Remember the power of God in creation. Realize that persecution will come, but rest in the sovereign plan of God. If you're keeping notes, here we are, number five. We're moving pretty quickly through these seven. They then requested boldness to speak God's word see two different requests here. This is the first one. He asked God for boldness. Notice in verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. God, you see their threatenings. Look, God, see that problem? But they didn't say, God, take it away. They said, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. It's an interesting prayer request. When you're going through hard times, how many times have you said, Lord, please see this. I want, you, I want to make sure you know. I know you know, but I just want to make extra sure that you know. But Lord, just give me boldness to live through this situation. Lord, give me boldness to continue to proclaim your truth. Lord, look at the threatenings. You see it. Don't remove them. Just give me boldness. Give me confidence. That word boldness means even willing to take a risk. Why can you take a risk? Because you're trusting in the one that will keep you from falling. The one who's able to lift you up. The one who's given you eternal life. The one who's building your home in heaven right now. They prayed, Lord, grant us boldness to do what? To speak thy word. And then they had a second request. Number six. They requested God's confirmation through signs and wonders. Verse 30, they said, By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. God gives confirmation to the power of his word as he miraculously changes people. During this time with the apostles, he had given them power to be able to bring confirmation to his word through signs and wonders, performing miracles. 
But now that we have God's word complete, God still does amazing things to confirm the power of his word. He saves people and he changes their lives. He changes the way they think. He changes the way they talk. He changes how you spend your money. He changes how you interact with your spouse. He changes how children relate to their parents and parents to their children. He changes your workplace relationships. He changes, can I say it this way, He transforms every area of your life. He said, Lord, give us boldness and Lord, bring confirmation through the power of your word to change lives. If you need some encouragement to boldly proclaim Jesus, just stop for a second and think about where you would be without Jesus this morning. Has God changed your life? If he hasn't, I would love to show you how Jesus can change your life this morning. It's the greatest thing in all the world. But many of you I know are believers. You at least profess that. If you're a believer this morning, God has changed your life. Just take some time to think about your own testimony. And then if that's not enough, just look around this room for a minute. So I don't know very many people here. Please come up to me or, or to anybody in here and ask them after service, how has God changed your life? How has he changed your life, brother? How? Tell me. <laughs> Let's find somebody who God has changed their life here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know God's changed your life. Just tell us. Well, um, just thinking about all the things you've brought me through. Yeah. Uh, he, this last week, I've been right here with you. He's brought you through. He's brought you through. Praise the Lord. Somebody else? How's God changed your life? Anybody else? Change, taking you through some things. How's God changed your life? Anybody? Yes, ma'am. changes people's lives. Anybody else? How's God changed your life? Think everything's going to go your way. Realize, no, it's going to go God's way. Anybody else? I know I'm putting you on the spot this morning. Yeah, Brother Brad. I used to be extremely human. Isn't that right, though? When, when you see God work, it's a confirmation of His Word and its power, and it gives you boldness to proclaim. How many of you ever thought Brad was timid? Yeah, God changed his life. So he said, I hope he changed it. No, it's good. Regular base, he gives you the boldness. Tell him what happened just last week. I was knocking on the door. Go ahead. Well, we had the opportunity 
to tell a young man how Jesus could save him. And uh, this was a couple weeks ago. He trusted Christ. The story that really encouraged me. Last week we had, or two weeks ago, whatever it was, we had the big freeze. And come around to Saturday, and Chase has been going out sharing the gospel. And uh, he called Brad and said, are we going out Saturday morning? Brad says, this is bold Brad, by the way. He says, well, it's been cold, and a lot of people's pipes are broken, and maybe this isn't a good time to go. And Chase says, the guy who just got saved six months ago, Chase, says, well, isn't that when people need to hear about Jesus? <laughs> Changed life will give you boldness. They went out and a young mother got saved. God's power to change lives. We could go on. See, that's what they asked God for. God, give us confirmation, the power of your word to change lives. And then notice finally in verse 31, they received the answer to their prayer. So if you're keeping notes, I'll give you the quick review. Number one, they reported to the other believers about the threats. Number two, they remembered the power of God in creation. Number three, they recognized the reality of persecution. Number four, they rested in the sovereign plan of God. Number five, they requested boldness to speak the word. And they requested, number six, God's confirmation through signs and wonders. And number seven, they received the answer to their prayers. So what happened? Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with God answered their prayer. The presence of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, filled them. Now, just in your theology about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, understand they had already received the Holy Spirit. That's two chapters ago. So what's this? It's a fresh, filling presence of God's Spirit in them that was controlling them, encouraging them, challenging them to boldly We all are in this particular aspect. We don't live in the Spirit's strength every day. We need that fresh, filling of the Spirit. We need it every day. Now there are days, if we're honest, that we live without His filling. And I will tell you, those are days that we don't boldly proclaim Jesus either. Do nothing. Their prayer was answered. The Holy Spirit filled them it, there was even this visual sign that the room that they were in, the place they were in was shaken. 
God sent a little earthquake? What did he do? I don't know. It just says it was shaken. But it was enough. These people knew. And it was demonstrated through them now going out and boldly proclaiming the word of God. What's amazing to me is they already knew what they were being threatened about. All you got to do is go a little bit further into the next chapter and pretty soon they're all getting thrown in jail. What's our problem? We're not really under that threat right now here. It could come. It already takes place in other places around the world. But the threats, even the realities of persecution, should not stop us from boldly proclaiming Christ. If we'll take time to be encouraged with the other believers, if we'll remember the power of God in creation, recognize the reality of suffering and persecution, rest in the sovereign power and plan of God, even in persecution, to fulfill His work, and ask God to give us boldness, Ask God to confirm His Word. I believe we too can receive that fresh filling of the Spirit. This is not necessarily a prescriptive list, like do this, then this, then this. This is narrative in Scripture. This is not how this is. It's like this is the prescription for being refilled with the Holy Spirit. We've got to be careful with that. But this is a clear example of where these people were and how they were walking with God. And how they ran back to him and reminded themselves of who he was and what he'd done for them. And then we see the result as they were filled with the Spirit and went out and declared the Word of God boldly. I don't know about you, but I want to live a life of consequence. I want to live a life that makes a difference in someone else's life. I want to live a life that makes a difference in my children's life. You know, we could have the biggest church in the world, and if my kids don't go on and follow the Lord... I just don't even think it'd be worth it. It's not about giving one up for the other. We're here to live for Him. Question this morning, will you boldly proclaim Christ even in the face of all that is going on? Your past, the present situations, the world outside, those who bring persecution? I believe you can. And we will together boldly proclaim Christ. This isn't just the preacher's job. This is for all of us. This was all together. Just think what God could do with a group of, you know, on a given Sunday between the two services, maybe 150 people that were committed to boldly proclaiming Christ. Boldly proclaiming Him in the workplace, at home, Sometimes that's the hardest place to do it. In your neighborhood, through your social media, whatever platform, place that God has given you, let's boldly proclaim Him. Can't do it alone. We need Him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for our time together this morning in Your Word. Help us. Work in our hearts. Lord, as we have this time now to respond, I pray that many would respond in obedience to you.
and asking you, just like these disciples asked you for the boldness and asked you for the confirmation. Lord, we're weak and we struggle and the threats are very real and they're scary. Lord, give us the boldness that only comes through you. In Jesus' name I pray. The piano's playing. Would you stand to your feet? If God's spoken to your heart this morning, please come.